If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3, in a moment I'm going to be reading the first 10 verses there. But I want to share with you what my heart is as we're going to be starting a new series that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. And I want us to talk about growing together. Obviously I'm going to be talking about relationships. I'm going to look at all different kinds of relationships. Relationships between young and old, husband and wife, male, female, rich, poor, just about every kind of relationship you can think of to see how we can grow together. But when we're talking about growing together, you can interpret that phrase in two ways. You can either talk about us growing closer together, which is important, but there's another sense about growing together as well, and that is that each of us is growing at the same time into more and more of the Lord's likeness. So we're growing together in terms of growing closer but we're also growing together in the sense that we're all growing up into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. So keep that in mind. I'm not just talking about growing together. I'm also talking about growing up into him and growing up into him, as it were, the more effectively and the quicker because of our relationship with one another. So we're here to help each other on in our spiritual growth. In fact, one of the things I'm totally convinced of is this, that the challenges of relationship are one of the ways in which God accelerates our spiritual growth. If you wanted to avoid relationship and hide away from everyone else and say, I'm sure I'm going to grow much quicker in God now, I think you'd be stunting your spiritual growth rather than accelerating it. Because the challenges of relationship... The challenges we get when when young and old have to relate together. Rich and poor have to relate together. Black and white have to relate together. Male and female have to relate together. And so on and so on. That's all part of being able to grow up in God. That's why I'm really excited about being part of a multicultural church, you know, because I don't know what the last count is. It was somewhere up about 40 different nationalities in the church here. Well, praise God, that's just 40 opportunities to, to grow in grace as we learn more about how to relate to one another. And there are challenges in relationship. And uh, there's no point pretending that, oh, well, we're all born again, so it's all going to be absolutely wonderful and easy. No, no, there are challenges, and God knows that. And he's not afraid of us having to face that and to say, we can improve, we can go on to perfection, we can learn. And uh, you just have to be honest. just have to be honest, have to be real. We can't be in denial. We've got to say, no, we want to work at these things and see if we can come more strongly into things that are on God's heart. So, over the weeks, we're going to be picking up on age and wealth and gender and status and culture and gifting, all of those kind of things. And I thought I'd start today with, with age. And I thought a good way at looking at growing together and facing the age issue at the same time would be to look at Samuel and Eli. Okay, I'm sure you could think of other illustrations, but I decided Samuel and Eli would be a good starting point. So I'm going to read these first ten verses of 1 Samuel 3 to lead us into this subject, growing together and looking at the age issue. And just keep in mind, I'm going to be talking about relationship, revelation and responsibility. So you'll, you'll pick up those themes as we read these verses and eventually read a bit more of the chapter as well. It says, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. 
And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. As I was looking at this passage, I must have read this, I don't know how many times, but I was reading it with a particular purpose in mind. The purpose I had in mind was to, first of all, look at the relationship between Eli and Samuel. Because I wanted to see whether the relationship between these two was a relationship that I could promote to us all today and say there are some good things that we can learn here as older people about relating to children. And as I looked at it, I thought, actually, this is really wonderful. There are so many things here that Eli gets right that we can hold up and say, that's an excellent example of how an older person needs to relate to a younger person. Now, of course, it's not exhaustive. There are many other lessons that need to be drawn out about how to relate to children and so on that don't just come out of these few verses. But some of the really important principles are there, talking about relationship. And particularly, relationship in the context of revelation. Because one of the things that does concern me in church life sometimes is that when children begin to hear from God, People don't always show sufficient wisdom in how to encourage them in their relationship with the Lord. And we've got to know how to do that. I do think children have a natural ability to respond to the things of God. One of the verses that brings that home to me is how Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. The the implication being that if the big people don't get in the way, the children will come. (laughs) And that always sticks in my heart, that we've got to let the children come to the Lord. We've got to be able to let our children have free access. If they're not finding God, it's possibly because we're getting in the way. And so really looking at relationship in the context of revelation for children, and also then to pick up on our responsibilities in all of that, seem to me to be very important. Now, you need to know my heart on this that I am totally committed to a concept called heterogeneous church. 
All right? Now, that sounds a great big word, but there's a tendency today, and there's some justification for this, to say that churches grow quicker numerically if you work on the principle of what's called homogeneity. In other words, if you have everyone of the same age, same social background, uh, same ethnic background together, your church will grow quicker. And do you know what, folks? It is true. It is true. The Ghanaian churches get very quickly full of Ghanaians. The Nigerian churches get very quickly full of Nigerians. We planted a church once years ago that was mostly ladies. It got full of ladies. Ladies from everywhere came to that church because they wanted to be in a ladies' church. You know, these ladies who hadn't got saved husbands thought it was really good to meet together with other ladies that were experiencing the same issues. And it was good. They were really encouraged. There's now a tendency to have children's church and youth church. And they're brilliant. I get really torn on this because in some ways I think, let's have youth church. And then we get all the young people into youth church because they don't necessarily want to come to fuddy-duddy church or whatever, you know. And I, I, I want to do that. Children's church excites me. The concept of children worshipping together really excites me. Okay? So I can see that in terms of numerical growth, there's a whole lot to be said for homogeneity. You know, everyone of the same kind. Middle class church, you know? There's, there's churches like that. There's one particular church when they go away that they come from such a middle class background that, um, that you can tell by the wine bottles that are left outside the rooms. <laughs> But I won't say which church that is. But it's it's very easy for birds of a feather to flock together, which is the old expression, isn't it? But there's something about spiritual growth that benefits from diversity. It may be a challenge, but if we can pull it off, folks, there's a testimony in there. There's a testimony. I mean, the world is trying to live together and it's really struggling. And if the church just ghettoizes into all its different groups, it's not going to present much of a testimony to the world as to how to do it, is it? But if somehow we can pull it off and say to the world, hey, look, it works, we can do this. Forty nationalities, whatever. (laughs) But not just different nationalities, but a church where we can celebrate the children. I I wonder sometimes whether just having the children up at the end of the worship service to lead us in a worship song is sufficient. Because I like to let them feel that they're worshipping with us. And that we don't just have them sing a song to us at the end of the worship service. But when the children come back in, as they will in a few moments, and they'll lead us in a worship song, I want you to worship with the children in that worship song. Not just to think, oh, it's their turn to do their bit on the stage. But to really get into that heart of understanding they're part of the church as well. I get caught on that one. How big is the church? Do we talk about children in the numbers? Because some people say, oh, you've inflated your church numbers. You've been counted all your children in. But then aren't the children part of the church? They're not the next church. (laughs) They're part of what God is doing now. And we've got to find ways of having that in our hearts. I've gone into trouble in some churches that I've led over the years because I've felt that the young people ought not to be fenced off 
I don't mind having young people's meetings. I, they've got the energy for more meetings than the rest of us. Let them have more meetings than the rest of us. Hmm? But don't let's fence them off and say, well, of course, you know, um, we don't have anyone as a house group leader who's under 30. Hmm? Or we don't let anyone share anything from the platform who's under X, you know, or no one will lead worship. Until, why? <laughs> if you're born again and you can do it, do it. <laughs> Where's the problem? I know that in the Old Testament, when that verse says, and a little child shall lead them, there is an element in there, when you read it in context, of it being a judgmental statement. But who cares now? We're in the kingdom of God. If a little child leads us, what's the problem? But there is a problem. There's a potential problem for the little child. (laughs) The potential problem is this, that if adults do not know how best to encourage children as they're beginning to move in revelation, you can actually do damage to the child even as you're seeking to embrace everything that's on that child's heart. This is where you need wisdom. Child preachers. hmm? There have been plenty. (laughs) And some of them have been handled with wisdom and some of them have not been handled wisely at all. I mentioned earlier on that out of the mouths and babes and sucklings God has ordained perfect praise. But it doesn't mean to say that you have to stay a baby in order to praise perfectly. It doesn't mean to say that you preach better when you're 15 than you do when you're 50. If you do, something is wrong. You should have grown up and learned some things from the Lord along the way. Now, church needs everything. Church needs everything. I was speaking at a conference some time back and I decided that I would take that passage in John's first letter about spiritual babies, spiritual young men, and spiritual fathers. This was a church leaders conference. And I said to them, what kind of church do you want? And I could see, as I was just talking it through, that they were all really wanting a church full of spiritual fathers. And I said to them, if that's where you end up, something is wrong. Because it means that you haven't seen anyone saved in the last few months. (laughs) We're not asking you to keep people spiritual babies, but there should be a constant birthing process into the church that every church at any point in time should have spiritual fathers, spiritual young men, and spiritual children, and we should be glad to have all of them, and every single person is relevant and plays a different role and brings a contribution according to their level of maturity. If we can each prophesy according to our level of faith, then there's a contribution that comes even from the youngest with faith that is yet to be fully developed. We need to see all of these kind of things. But it needs wisdom. It needs wisdom. And we need to handle children with wisdom. And what really excited me, you know, was to discover that Eli had that kind of wisdom. He handled Samuel with so much wisdom. Let me just show you this. We're talking about relationship. I'm just going to read verses 4 and 5 again. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Now, to me, there's a whole 
armful of common sense in that. <laughs> First of all, it delights me that there was such a relationship between this young man, Samuel. We don't know how old he was. Some people speculate he was around about 12, say. This young man and Eli the priest, that when something woke this boy up in the night, his first reaction was to go to Eli. Now, just realize what had happened to Samuel. He was a child of promise. He'd been born in answer to prayer. And his mother had made a statement that because he was in answer to prayer, that when he was weaned, she would give him to the Lord. And so she'd taken him back when he was about a year old or so, up to the priest and given him to Eli for Eli to take care of. So Eli became like a a foster parent to young Samuel. Now, it doesn't mean that his mum neglected him. Every year she'd turn up, she'd bring new clothes and everything else, but she was fulfilling her promise. Now, in some ways, that does not sound a particularly ideal arrangement. I'm not suggesting that the way to treat your children is to give them away to some white-haired old man who's living in a temple. I'm not suggesting that. But what does impress me is that finding himself in that position, Eli had built such a relationship with this child that the child totally trusted Eli. hmm? So that he came running into Eli. He didn't lay there thinking, oh goodness, what do I do? I'm all alone and mummy's a million miles away. Hmm? He felt secure in that relationship. And this is great because Eli hadn't actually been a brilliant father to his own boys. But he was doing a whole lot better with Samuel. And one of the things that is so important for all of us in bringing up children is to make sure that we provide a secure environment. Confident and competent parenting are so important. Hmm? There was obviously tenderness and understanding. There was no abuse in this relationship. Even though Samuel had tasks to do in the temple, this wasn't slave labor. This child was allowed to lie down and rest at night. And then there's this also, uh, to me, tremendous wisdom that that when the child's disturbed in the night and you're not quite sure what's disturbing the child, the way you deal with it is to get them to go back and rest. I don't know where he learned his parenting skills, but he's doing quite well at this particular point, don't you think? We've got health visitors nodding. That's always reassuring (laughs) when the health visitor nods when you're talking about how to bring up children. Eli was building a, a sound relationship with this child that made the child feel totally secure. And when things happened that were outside the child's understanding, Eli continued to provide a secure environment and wisdom that enabled Samuel to go back and sleep. Now that to me is the test, hmm? that Samuel was able to go back and go back to sleep again. Somehow Eli had managed to settle this child down in an appropriate way. Now, there's a lot more that we can draw out from this, but I just want to give you that as a principle. That in all of our dealing with children in church life, providing a secure and safe environment that doesn't exploit 
or take advantage of the children anyway, is absolutely essential. I have no problem with all the rules and regulations that have come in recently about child protection policies and making sure we've filled in this form and checked out these people in that kind of way because we want our children to be safe. Because children can receive from God in an environment that's safe. So that's where we begin, relationship. Just take stock. What's our relationship with children? This isn't just for parents here. (laughs) This isn't just for parents. You might not have any children. You might just come to this church and be in a service where the children are there. Well, you're part of providing the secure environment for the children. Let me just explain this to you as well. Just respect children's personal space. If they don't have a relationship with you, don't force a relationship upon them. You know, you might be attending church as a single person. It might not be appropriate for you to go up to every child and say, I want you to know that I'm your Uncle Harry or something like that. They, they might not need an Uncle Harry at that particular point and they'd be far better off just being given space. You can crowd children's space very easily. And we've also got to respect the fact that wise parents tell their children not to talk to strangers. And you could be a stranger to them, even in the context of church. So, oh no, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Yes, but just remember, from a child's point of view, you could be a stranger. Disciplining other people's children in church is not a good idea, folks. Just in case you haven't spotted that one, all right? If a child's having a problem, do find the parent, okay? There are certain relationships that need to be respected. And disciplining uh, children heavy-handedly is never appropriate in a public place. You just need so much wisdom. But providing security. Have you got that word? Security, that's what I'm trying to say. It's so important that the children feel secure, that they feel loved, that they feel appreciated. That when they leave this place, they don't feel stressed out, but they can think, hey, that's a nice place to be. I I love it, you know, that the children, when they come on the platform to sing, they feel secure. Hmm? And that's great. And we want to keep that. Next thing I want to talk about is revelation. Because children can receive revelation from the Lord. And it's actually possible for children to move into the supernatural almost quite naturally. And we've got to make sure that we keep the supernatural natural rather than start making things very complicated for them. Keep it within a comfort zone. Let me just read a little bit more into this uh, passage. I'm going to read from verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, this is when the Lord actually starts giving him the revelation, Verse 11, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision. Now, 
I know that sometimes people have got this idea that God speaks through children. I just want us to be a little bit careful about that. Because I think God actually places more value on everybody than to speak through them. God did once speak through a donkey. You always remember that, okay? He didn't speak to the donkey. He didn't say, now listen here, donkey, there are a few things I want to tell you about your master. He actually spoke through the donkey. But normally when God is dealing with people, he doesn't speak through people, he speaks to people. Because he values you. He doesn't sort of suddenly make you open your mouth and you start saying things. He's actually saying something into your heart which you are to hear and then you are to share. And what I want you to understand is that what we have in these verses is God speaking to Samuel. Now, I get a little bit nervous when I read this passage because I think, God, do you know what you're doing? Have you realised what you've just told this young boy? This sounds heavy stuff, you know. Couldn't you have given him a sort of certificate U version? This sounds like at least PG to me. You know, isn't there something that you could have put this a different way? But when you read it through, there are some things in there which you could actually miss on a superficial reading. One of the things that's very evident is this, that constantly... As God is speaking to Samuel, he's saying, Eli already knows this. Eli already, I've already told Eli that this is going to happen. Eli already knows that because he hasn't looked after his boys, things are going to happen in his house. And so I think that there are two things here. Yes, he is being told in order to affirm the word to Eli, but he's also being told because God knows that you can't keep children out of certain situations. And sometimes it's necessary. There comes a point when the children need to know. They need to be told in ways that they can understand. But they need to know. And you need to choose the moment rightly. And I'm sure this is why God had waited all this time. Samuel had been ministering to the Lord since he was a little lad. But it says he didn't know the Lord and he didn't know the revelation of the Lord. One of the things that we need to be clear in our minds is that as children are growing up, they can go through different phases. You can minister to the Lord without really knowing him and without really hearing his word. (laughs) You can actually then start to know him, but only in the measure that your own personal development allows. One of the things that can be very confusing as people grow up is they sometimes come and they say, oh, you know, I think I've just come to know the Lord for the first time. But what has actually happened is, as they've come to a greater maturity, so their level of knowledge of the Lord has had to increase. And we grow up, we have a a child's understanding when we're a child, a teenager's understanding when we're a teenager, and hopefully an adult's understanding when we're an adult, and that's what God wants to bring in our lives, a growing understanding. But here was this young man, he'd been in the house of God day and night, and he was ministering to the Lord, and yet he didn't really know the Lord. But that wasn't causing Eli great problems. He wasn't spaced out about this every day hammering the lad. Have you given your heart to Jesus yet? You know? Because I know that little bit of a time span issue there. But you, you understand the pressure that we can put people under. He was content to leave him in an environment where God could minister to him. 
And that's important too, isn't it? And there he was, he was growing up, ministering to the Lord, and yet he didn't really know the Lord. But when the time was right, God thinks, I've got to tell this young boy what's about to happen in the household where he lives. Because these things affect his life. These things affect his life. And that's one of the reasons why people think that, you know, this is 12-year-old stuff, is because when Jesus was 12 years old, certain things were going on in his life as well. And there are development points in our lives when we can begin to handle things. And we should allow revelation to be relevant to what we can handle. And so I think God in his wisdom is bringing this young man into things in an appropriate way. Not telling him things that are too hard for him, but he's bringing him revelation that's relevant for his life. And the word was confirmatory. And the other thing that I find encouraging is that, you know, it says that God actually stood there this particular time. It says God actually stood there. That's good. This wasn't a voice that was coming out of nowhere. God was right there on hand to bring comfort and security as he spoke this word into this young man's life. And the young man was able to lay down afterwards. (laughs) Okay, he was a bit concerned about how he was going to tell Eli, but he could lay there till morning. There's something about the real ministry of God that doesn't bring stress even to children. And we need to watch that because if there are things that are coming into our children's lives that are stressful, then we need to have wisdom in debriefing the children to make sure we take the stress out of these situations because God never brings stress. Please turn the tape over and play without rewinding for the rest of the message. Them, then we need wisdom in order to bring them to the point where they can. Which brings me to my third point, really, which is our responsibility. Are we learning stuff out of this? I, I've, I got a tremendous amount of this out when I was preparing, so I hope I'm communicating it effectively. <laughs> but the third thing is our responsibility. We've talked about relationship, we've talked about revelation. What about responsibility? I, I love what happens in the final verses here <laughs> of this chapter. Let me read it. Samuel lay down until morning, this is verse 15, and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me, of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Now, in those few moments, Samuel takes all, uh, Eli takes all the pressure off Samuel. Samuel is thinking, how can I tell him? How can I tell him? Can I tell him? What can I do? This is going to be a really difficult day. I've got to do all my little jobs around the place, and I know all of this information now. How am I going to handle this information I've got? I I, I don't know who am I going to talk to. What am I going to do? How am I going to raise the subject? Hmm? But Eli had the wisdom to say, Samuel, come here, my son. I like the fact that he called him his son. Come here, my son. Now tell me, 
What did the Lord say to you? He didn't say, what did the Lord say to you about me? Hmm? This wasn't his curiosity. Now, come on, I want to know, what did God say about me? This was his fatherly care. What did the Lord say to you? Because if the Lord's spoken to you, you need to share this. You need to debrief this. You're a lad, okay? You don't have to carry this on your shoulders. Share it. Tell me. And with great sensitivity, Eli gets everything out until there's nothing hidden. Now that must have been quite, quite difficult because Samuel's thinking, I don't want to tell him. I love this man. I don't want to tell him that God's saying, you don't bring your boys up properly and I'm going to deal with them. Hmm? That doesn't sound right for me to say. But Eli had the sensitivity to get this young lad to tell him even things that you don't think could be told. Hmm? I had a situation a while back, happens occasionally, it wasn't to do with this church, but another church situation where a child had been abused, physically abused, and unfortunately, the person who did the debriefing hadn't quite got the skill to get the child to open up adequately. And, I mean, praise God, it's all been sorted now. But just that ability to get people to share things that are difficult to say. And not only difficult to say, but difficult for us to hear. No pastor wants to hear that there's been problems in his church. But every pastor who has problems in his church has got no right to leave the weight of those problems on the shoulders of a child. Somehow you've got to make sure that everything is said. And so that the child, when they've said it all, knows that they feel totally affirmed in that situation. And that they're not carrying the weight of responsibility of whatever took place. You understand what I'm saying? Eli did well. <laughs> he managed to get Samuel to share even all the negative stuff about himself. And then he made a response which set the matter to rest. He said, let God do what seems right to him. Which then showed Samuel that there was no panic in Eli's heart. He didn't go away thinking, oh my goodness, now I've really upset the old man. Now what am I going to do? Hmm? He went away feeling, Eli's coping with this. Eli's coping with this. Now, this was the beginning of Samuel's ministry. It then goes on and says about Samuel, that Samuel grew and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord came to all Israel. Now, please, just notice this. It says, and Samuel grew. It says Samuel grew before it says that everyone knew that he'd been established as a prophet. He was given opportunity to mature. Hmm? It wasn't line up, line up, hear the boy wonder prophesy, 50p ago, you know, the kind of mentality that some people have. 
Because I've seen that kind of thing happen. God's got a level of sensitivity. You've only got to see that in the New Testament. When, when people came to Jesus with stunning testimonies, and our temptation would be to say, hey, join the ride, you know, come and give your testimony in every town, in every place. Sometimes Jesus would just say, just, just go and tell the folks back home. Because the pressure that comes from being the boy wonder or the, the latest testimony or the spectacular conversion can sometimes be just too much. And we just need that wisdom. And that's where the responsibility comes in. I think that's where I'm going to leave it, having gone through this Bible passage with you. I realize there's a whole lot more could be said about closing the age gap between young and old. But I hope that just sharing those kind of things today will have at least opened our hearts up and said, no, I want what the children have got from God. But I want to help the children receive from the Lord and understand what they're receiving from the Lord so that these things can enable us to grow together as family with responsibilities and relationships and revelation all held rightly as they should be before the Lord. I want to finish with just um, two verses. I've uh, already mentioned that verse about let the children come to me, about being natural and supernatural and just the way those things can flow together. But the two verses I want to mention are both in the Old Testament. Isaiah 54, just share these as, as like concluding promises to the word that we've looked at today. Isaiah 54 verse 13. If you haven't started claiming this in your own family situation, then do take this verse as an encouragement for yourself. Obviously it was a verse given to the nation, but you can take it to your household. Isaiah 54, 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. I want that to be the testimony of the children in Cornerstone. And then let's take the one in Proverbs again, which I'm sure you know. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in a way he or she should go. And when he or she is old, he or she will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. May have a few wobbles along the way. <laughs> but what you planted in there in those early days brings us security. We're going to pray and then we're going to ask the children to come back in and lead us in worship. Not sing to us. Lead us in worship. Good, let's pray. <clears throat> Perhaps someone could tell them that they'll be coming back in. Young and old and that we can grow up together into you, who is the head. And we pray, Father, that you'll really help each of us from this point on to value our family relationships and value our relationships in the context of church life as well. That you'll give us all the wisdom that we need in order to provide secure environments for the children to flourish. Lord, let them learn from us and let them teach us too, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen.